This is DIA Connections. It's so cool to see throughout the day, they get younger, they stand up straighter, there's more spunk in their step. They are the age they were when they enlisted or they came into the service. It's very satisfying for me to know that this simple song that I wrote is so important to American unity. You can have the infantry. I'll ride in a tank. This is Snafu. Situation normal. All fouled up. (laughs) Those are the voices for what we believe will be a very interesting and inspirational episode of DIA Connections. It's our last one in 2020, and we're calling this episode Spirit. I'm not quite sure how to put the appropriate words and sentences in the right order to adequately describe what we all experienced in 2020. When I tried, I came up way short. Suffice to say, we've all experienced a year we won't ever forget, and we pray it never happens again. So our intention for this episode was to provide just a little relief from some of the sadness that we've experienced. We wanted to do a show that's in some way uplifting, to tell stories that can make you smile or laugh or might cause a tear, but in a good sort of way. At the Defense Intelligence Agency, our mission is to provide intelligence to policymakers to support the men and women in uniform who put it all on the line to keep us safe. But supporting service members present and past isn't exclusive to us. So for this episode, the stories you'll hear about and the people you'll hear from are all different but they share one very crucial virtue in common. They have the undying spirit of honoring those who serve our country. They're inspirational, talented, and entertaining, and we hope you enjoy them. And speaking of hope... Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are at Fort Davis in the Panama Canal. This is the first stop on our Christmas tour. Yes, sir, the Panama Canal is one of our more strategic areas. There's 10,000 men down here making sure nobody pulls the stopper. (laughs) I've heard of soldiers digging a ditch, but don't you think this one got a hand? Hopefully, you're familiar with that voice, but we realize that many may not be. An informal survey at DIA tells us that it's sort of an age kind of thing. So here, give it another listen. And I'd like to thank the people that provided our plane, the Smithsonian Institute. God, the Pentagon gave us a wonderful plane, an SST, slow, shaky, and trembling. It's really a remarkable plane. We gave three of them to Israel, and they gave them to Egypt. That's entertainer extraordinaire Bob Hope. Prior to his passing in 2003, he was the most recognized profile and talent in the world. He was a star on Broadway, on the radio, on television, and on the silver screen. He starred in more than 50 feature films and made cameos in another 15. The last one was the 1985 comedy Spies Like Us, which, by the way, was about two agents from the Defense Intelligence Agency. Now there's a DIA connection. Between 1941 and 1990, Bob Hope made 57 tours for the United Service Organization, better known as the USO. In the midst of a 24-hour Christmas truce. That's beautiful, isn't it? A war with a commercial break. If the country was at war or peace, it didn't matter to Bob Hope. 
With a band of Hollywood performers, he traveled the globe to entertain our servicemen and women. And he was funny. Back home, you know when a mosquito's around when you hear buzzing. Over here, you hear footsteps. They turn over your dog tags to see your blood type. And after they take your blood, they leave coffee and donuts for you. Bob Hope's unwavering commitment to boost the morale of America's servicemen and women is legendary. Congress even gave him the title of Honorary Veteran, making him the first of only two civilians to receive that honor. We're telling you all this about Bob Hope because in 1997, the Department of Defense established the Spirit of Hope Award. The award epitomizes the values of Bob Hope. Duty, honor, courage, loyalty, commitment, integrity, and a selfish contribution of time, talent, or resources to benefit service members. Past winners include Toby Keith and actor Gary Sinise. And in 2020, one of the recipients was April Milletz. She was the first ever Defense Intelligence Agency officer chosen in the awards history. And we are super proud of her. I am so blessed. I get to talk with heroes every day. That's April. Can you hear why she would be the perfect choice for the Spirit of Hope Award? April was honored for her volunteer work with an amazing organization called Honor Flight Network. But before we tell April's story, let's listen to Bill Welser. He spent 34 years in the Air Force, and he now serves as president of Honor Flight Network. Honor Flight is a national program that gives us an opportunity to pay forward to those veterans that made possible the freedoms that we have today. So in 125 hubs across 45 states, uh, we have individuals that uh, come to Washington, D.C. to see their memorials, uh, to share camaraderie, uh, to have an opportunity to say thank you to those uh, that uh, served with them, to honor those that didn't return, and uh, at the same time to be uh, honored by the American public. Since its inception in 2005, Honor Flight Network has taken more than 240,000 veterans to Washington, D.C. to visit memorials dedicated to honoring the sacrifices of those who served. And so the veteran that's going on these trips, many will tell me, Bill, that was the best day of my life. And you go, no, 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 you, you, you got married, you had kids, you, you, you successful in business, the whole night. No, this is the best day of my life. And as they're crying about it, uh, it's because... If you think about it, if you're projected back 70 or 80 years ago uh, and suddenly somebody's thanking you uh, for what you did then and reminding you of not only your service, but many individuals will go and they'll kneel down at these memorials and they'll say, are you okay? And they'll go, yeah, I'm just thanking those that didn't come home. They were the real heroes, Bill. They were the ones that gave their life for the freedoms that we have today. April Millette served 27 years in the Navy. 12 on active duty and 15 on the reserve side before retiring as a senior chief petty officer. She currently works for the Defense Intelligence Agency in Norfolk, Virginia. For over a decade, April has volunteered for Honor Flight. And when she told us that the only reason she has a day job is to pay for her volunteer work, we figured that's someone we should get to know better. So we did. Here's April with DIA historian Paul Isaacson. April. Tell us about your very first Honor Flight mission and what it was about that that just gripped you and made you want to keep doing this. 
Seeing the World War II Memorial through my veteran's eyes, I was lucky enough that my veteran was Alice Wamsley. She had seen an article in a paper. She goes, hey, she goes, there's an honor flight. I said, what's an honor flight, Alice? She goes, here. And I read the little blurb and it's just like, well, shoot, you want to go? She goes, yes, I do. Alice was an original Navy wave. She was also a chief petty officer. They were rare. Female chiefs during World War II were rare. And being able to share her memorial with her, being able to see other girls come up to her and say, you were in the Navy? And to see their eyes light up and her eyes light up and she stood straighter and she was able to actually say, yes, I am a veteran. There was an electricity in the air of gratitude, of unconditional love, and I wanted more of that. I'm glad you brought up Washington, D.C., because that's where I wanted to go with you next. Tell us about when you arrive in D.C. Tell us what you experienced there. Our first stop is the World War II Memorial. We pull our buses up. We are greeted by some of the most amazing people in the entire D.C. area. They have the Honor Flight Swings group. They are dancing. We have uh, two or three of the girls that have bright red lipstick, and they're coming up to our veterans and kissing them on the cheek. At the beginning of the day, they are their age. They're they're a little lethargic and they're going about the day and as the day progresses on they get younger they stand up straighter there's more spunk in their step they are the age they were when they enlisted or they came into the service wow what a lovely image you just shared how they get younger through the day how do you pay for this? How do you fundraise? How do you how do you do that? Because it's free to the veterans, right? Our veterans don't pay a thing. We live in this amazing country because of them. So it is it's on us to thank them. It's called Honor Flight for a reason. It is our honor to take them to DC to see their memorials. The fundraising, it is all grassroots. It can be as simple as elementary schools doing penny days. We have done car shows. We have done 5Ks. We've done a golf tournament. That was a lot of fun. This is a huge deal that, that you are involved in and a lot of people that are supporting you as well. Why do it? What, what motivates you to do all of this extra work? Hugs. Okay. I love hugging on World War II veterans. What are the veterans expressing to you? What are they saying to you? What are you getting from them? Let me tell you about Mr. Corey. He was a combat engineer, landed on D-Day with 27 of his buddies. They landed, they got through, they had their various missions. They destroyed some roads. They destroyed some bridges. 
when they finally got through and got to Berlin, there were seven of them left. Mr. Corey was one of the seven that got to come home. We got in to DC and we got to his memorial and we pull up and I said, we're here. He goes, I have mixed emotions. And he started rubbing his eyes. I said, are you all right? He goes, this place is beautiful. And I cannot thank you all enough for getting me here. He goes, but why did I make it? Why, why was I one of the seven? I said, one of the reasons that you're here, I said, is because you're here for all the boys. All the ones that didn't come home, I said, you're here for them. He goes, I am. And he, he looks up, he goes, hey boys, look what we got. <laughs> and it was so cool. He goes, this place really, really is beautiful. I said, it should be. I said, because it's yours. So seeing it through them, it's amazing. April has participated in 20 honor flight missions, bringing over 1,600 veterans to the nation's capital. I'm certain that if veterans past and present could collectively say one thing to April, they would take a cue from Bob Hope and say, April, thanks for the memories. After a short break, a story about someone whose fantastic talents served World War II veterans not at the end of their journey, but at the beginning. This is DIA Connections. Freedom, diversity, equality, democracy, prosperity, community, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Principles that are the heart of our country. Principles that the Defense Intelligence Agency is committed to safeguarding. Breaking new details about North Korea's missile launch. Russia test-firing its new intercontinental ballistic missile, nicknamed Satan-2. The international situation is the most complex and demanding that I have seen in all my years of service. We have taken an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We speak truth to power and safeguard the information with which we have been entrusted. We do this to protect the freedoms of all Americans, our allies, and future generations around the world. Committed to excellence in defense of the nation, D.I.A. Spirit and service can come in different ways. It can come from a smile or by taking in strays. It can come by helping someone in need or maybe from growing a forest with one tiny seed. By now you might realize the clue is the rhyme. And this is about a man for all time. You know him as one thing, but I promise there's more. 
And it all begins with the Second World War. Snafu. Situation normal. All... All fouled up. So Snafu is the lead character in a series of educational cartoons that were created by the U.S. Army Signal Corps during World War II to train soldiers on military protocol and how to be good soldiers, generally by giving them cartoons that showed them how not to do it. And Snafu stands for Situation Normal, All Fouled Up. Uh, I think most people who've been in the Army actually know what the real F word is in there, but they couldn't put that in cartoons in 1942. Snafu is a soldier. He's a patriotic, conscientious guy who thinks the army's swell. Uh, that is, with a few minor changes. The main creative genius behind Snafu was a major named Ted Geisel, who was better known as Dr. Seuss. Yes, that Dr. Seuss. The Green Eggs and Ham, Horton Hears a Who, Cat in the Hat, Dr. Seuss. And that's Brian J. Jones. He's the author of Becoming Dr. Seuss, Theodore Geisel and the Making of an American Imagination. Crazy, right? The same Dr. Seuss that is one of the most popular children's authors of all time. Oh, the things we can learn that are funny and new about an old friend and a cartoon named Private Snafu. Oh, the Air Force gets the glory and the Navy gets the cheers. But all a dog face ever gets is mud behind the ears. Hey, Brian, tell us how and why, of all people, Dr. Seuss was in Hollywood at the beginning of World War II, working with Frank Capra, an Academy Award-winning director, and Chuck Jones, the great animator of Looney Tunes fame. He enlisted at age 39 to serve in the Army, but was recruited to, to work in, at the, in the Signal Corps. This is a time when literacy among soldiers and all these enlisted men and a lot of people who literally come in off the farm, the literacy rate, uh, and especially the, the graduation rate from college rate, was was about 38% was all. You know, so, so these were not soldiers you could hand them a 25-page brochure that had all the military protocol in it and say, read this and learn how to be a great soldier. You had to teach them by showing. And one of the things that both Seuss and Capra had noticed in just watching soldiers watching training films is they really tended to perk up when there was animation, even if it was just an animated map. That was when they really sort of sat up and took notice. Camouflage is an art and a science. It's used intelligently. Take cover, stupid. Take cover. Uh-oh. Them tracks, they reveal your position. They figured out early that the best way to keep them engaged and involved and train them without even really realizing they were being trained was to make them laugh at these cartoons. And again, what Snafu does in most of these is shows you how to be a great soldier by showing you how not to do it. It usually ends with him, you know, being imprisoned, put in the hospital or, you know, dead, <laughs> uh, you know, really leading by bad example. And they're they're still great cartoons at this day because that they're very funny. I beg pardon, sir, but you hear all that humming? I got a suspicion. The Germans are coming! The Germans? The Germans? I'll moiter them poops! Let me at them Germans! Say, where are my troops? <laughs> troops? And Brian, it's great that they're available for everyone to see on YouTube. 
And there's no doubt that you can look at them even now and say, oh, yeah, that is so Dr. Seuss. More than anything, those those cartoons, especially a lot of the early ones, are told in rhyme that will sound very familiar to anyone who has read, you know, a book like And to Think That I Saw It on Mulberry Street. They sound like Dr. Seuss. They feel like Dr. Seuss. I just learned the secret. It's a honey. It's a pip. But the enemy is listening, so I'll never let it slip. They had a style that we've come to know and love, but they all had messaging, right? Do you have a favorite? There's a great one. They're in the latrine, and this guy talks about how it's a beautiful day for a bombing, which is sort of a scatological joke that, that you could normally get away with in the 1940s. Hiya, Snafu. What's new? Oh, nothing much. Nice day. Nice day for a bombing. Yeah, nice bombing weather. Mm. Bombing weather. And Private Snafu hears this and starts talking about how we're planning a bombing and it becomes the telephone game and it just becomes more and more spectacular as it goes down and is passed down the line. The hot air is blowing. A rumor is growing. Again, teaching people, don't talk about what you hear about. Be careful what you write in your letters back home to your best girl is a lesson you get in these. Even though these were cartoons, they were considered a military secret. And people working on them had to be fingerprinted and given FBI security clearances. And that was just one of the challenges. One of the interesting things that happened is when they decided to do these cartoons, they, you know, they couldn't produce these in-house. You didn't have people who were animators serving in the army. You were going to have to farm this out and let companies bid on it. The two companies that bid on it were the Walt Disney Company and the Warner Brothers film unit. Disney's bid was too high and they wanted to own everything, which was a non-starter. But Disney also had his hands full producing other films for the war effort. But Warner came in with a lower, you know, with, with a bid that was much more fair. But they were also offering something that Disney couldn't in that they were offering the Looney Tunes animators who, again, were cut right out of the same cloth as Dr. Seuss. It's a, it's a match made in heaven to put Dr. Seuss with Chuck Jones. Chuck Jones is the animator behind almost every sort of classic Looney Tunes cartoon you know. You might actually know him better for a very famous television cartoon he did in the late 1960s called How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It was a bright sunny day with the air fresh and clean. Not a rumor was stirring except in the latrine. But they also gave them access to the entire Looney Tunes family. So you had Mel Blanc who does every voice you know of in Ed Looney's Bugs Bunny and, you know, Sylvester, Tweety. He does every voice pretty much for, for Warner Brothers. Mel Blanc is doing the voices for Private Snafu and for these cartoons, doing the voiceover narration. Some booby traps are more alluring and ingenious than others. If you are a boob, you will be trapped. Eh, wish the hell you'd shut up. Ain't no boob and I won't be trapped. They'll look to you and sound to you, even down to the music, like a Looney Tunes cartoon, but with the Dr. Seuss sensibility behind it. What's striking about these is that they poke fun at the military. And Dr. Seuss is so effective at that. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with the way that he writes. And what makes these very different is a lot of these are in verse. In one of his very first ones called Gripes, there's a character that says, I'll grant you uh, a wish. And one of the wishes that Snafu has is, I wish I was in charge. If I ran this army, boy, I'm telling you, I'd make a few changes. That's just what I do. 
And so what this this ferry, it's, it's you know, a ferry private first class, says, I heard you saying that everything stank. That you'd run things different if you had more rank. So as technical ferry, I got a good notion to give you a chance, Bill. Here's a promotion. I mean, that is straight off, straight off the page the, the, of, of a Dr. Seuss book. You mentioned that he enlisted at 39 years of age. So was this his way of serving and contributing to the war effort? Yes. And, uh, you know, there's a there's a famous quote from from Chuck Jones, his collaborator, who says, you know, we tried to make good pictures and it turns out some of them saved a few lives. So, you know, they looked at this as a as a higher calling, as as a responsibility. You know, they, they took this job seriously. Capper had even told them, you know, don't let people tell you that serving stateside means you're not soldiers. Your weapons are film. Oh, I'm the world's best damn fighting machine, oh. Them Nazis will learn what I mean, oh. My wonderful guns will murder them bums, and I'll bury them in the latrino. We clearly don't associate Dr. Seuss with World War II. So last question, let me ask you, how did Dr. Seuss view this part of his life? And would you consider him a patriot? Yes, uh, Dr. Seuss was definitely a patriot. He was very proud of the fact, for example, that he was awarded the Legion of Merit for meritorious service in planning and producing films, particularly those utilizing animated cartoons for training, informing, and enhancing the morale of the troops. I'm reading right out of the letter when he was awarded uh, the Legion of Merit. He made sure that Legion of Merit was mentioned in every single biography of him that was produced afterwards. And when people introduced him, uh, he wanted them to mention that Legion of Merit. He was very proud of the work he had done, very patriotic about it, really thought he had made a difference. The ability to put pencil to paper in such a creative way is a gift, especially when it can help boost the morale of thousands. Dr. Seuss served his country in the most effective way he could. And in that sense, it's similar to the way we, the 16,000 strong at DIA, do it every day. With spirit and commitment and sacrifice, we each put our country first in the best way we know how. The same can be said about our next guest, who, like Dr. Seuss, put pencil to paper and wrote the lyrics to what has become an ATG. That's our little acronym for all-time great. I wrote a song that was my expression of love for the country. And I, I didn't know that it was ever going to be heard. I just wanted it on an album because at the time we were pretty hot and we were selling lots of records and I was touring all the time. And if somebody was to pick up that song and like it, that would please me. That's Lee Greenwood. Okay, you don't know Lee Greenwood? What about now? And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free Oh yeah, that Lee Greenwood. You know Lee Greenwood. His name might not roll off the tip of your tongue, but his song does. Anyway you Google it, top patriotic songs, best patriotic song, most popular patriotic songs, you'll find Lee Greenwood's God Bless the USA. Its patriotic verses and rousing chorus has brought audiences to their feet for almost 40 years. He is in rarefied air with a song that has become an American anthem. It's one of those things when you pick up an American songbook, in addition to God Bless America, America the Beautiful, maybe the Battle Hymn of the Republic, you find God Bless USA in all the books. It's like, that's your mark, you know? 
It's Lee's signature song, but don't call him a one-hit wonder, because he's had seven number one hits, along with numerous accolades. It's the 19th Annual Academy of Country Music Awards. And the winner is... Lee Greenwood! He's a two-time winner of the Country Music Association's Male Vocalist of the Year. And in 1983, Lee won a Grammy Award for Best Male Vocalist of the Year. But it's the Country Music Awards 1985 Song of the Year, God Bless the USA, that garners all the attention. Lee, tell us when you wrote the song, what the inspiration was, and when did you know it was going to be something special? I remembered when I was a kid uh, playing at Air Force bases in and around Sacramento, California, where I was raised. And the sacrifice of the soldiers, of course, my dad was in the Navy, and, um, and there was just a lot I had to say. In, in 83, in the fall, after I wrote the song, it would, it would be at least maybe a month before we would actually put it on stage. And I remember the reaction from the audience, which was a little different than any other hit we had ever put on stage for the first time. That was the moment, if you want to say aha, that was the moment when I said, hmm. If tomorrow all the things were gone. It's funny because it happened not in 83, but probably in the spring of 1984, when before the song was actually on the country charts, people started standing up when I played the intro. We go to a military base. I don't even get to the intro and people are already standing. So that tribute is not just heartwarming, um, but it does make me emotional. And sometimes I can't even get through it without tearing up. Lee has met or performed for nine United States presidents. The song's popularity has remained consistent over the years, but swells in particular when our country's medal is put to the test. Then it becomes more than a song. It becomes a rallying cry. General Norman Schwarzkopf got inspiration from the song and played it at bases during the Gulf War. And just one month after the 9-11 terrorist attacks, Lee was asked to sing in New York at Yankee Stadium before a World Series game. Ladies and gentlemen, Please direct your attention now to the microphone behind home plate. And they said, you know, if you can make it, we'd love to have you. Uh, otherwise, we've got this cop that can sing uh, the national anthem, and that'll be fine. And please welcome one of America's premier entertainers, Grammy Award winner, Lee Greenwood. Well, I was surely going to go and uh, and didn't miss that opportunity. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all It's very satisfying for me to know that this simple song that I wrote is so important to American unity. Let me ask you about the lyrics. Are there any in particular that resonate with you more than others? When you start picking out lines of the song, you can isolate one sentence right after the next because every one is important, I think. The very first one, if tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, was about my grandparents, you know, who struggled in the 50s to make a living. I'm proud to be an American. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud of my country. 
I won't forget the men who died. Another line that was important. My sons both asked me about that line when they were very young. I said, well, you have to realize the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, that somebody would lay down their life for our freedom. God bless the USA. And then, of course, you get the title of the song, which is a payoff at the end of the chorus. God bless the USA. I'm a Christian, and I wanted to make sure that I put God first. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee. Lee's standout patriotism and support of the military has taken him around the globe to perform. He's been on 30 USO tours, which included a first time ever meeting with guess who? Mr. Spirit himself, Bob Hope. When he walked past me after he introduced me, and I'm walking up <laughs> to the microphone, he said, Who are you? <laughs> Lee, what are you going to sing for? I'm going to sing a song I wrote for you guys, and that's why we're here tonight. Here's God Bless the USA. There you go. Lee Rainbow, right there. And so they start my song, God Bless the USA. The orchestra's playing the song. It's not on tape, and not my, my touring band. And the, uh, the troops went crazy. This is my tribute to my country. And there's nothing more important to that than to make that statement. Because if you come from someplace that is not free, and we have a lot of allies and a lot of countries we visited around the world with my family, and they recognize the value of freedom. And they know that this little simple song I wrote is just so important that people remember not who wrote it, but the, how important it is to, you know, the country and to the nation. Selfless service and dedicated commitment to our military. That is the essence of the Spirit of Hope Award. No doubt about it, Lee Greenwood and Dr. Seuss exemplify these qualities. And so does April Molletz, who won the award in 2020, making her the first from the Defense Intelligence Agency to ever do so. So we think it's only fitting for April to close our show. So here's our DIA historian, Paul Isaacson, with one last question for April Molletz. The Defense Intelligence Agency's motto, committed to excellence in defense of our nation and some of our key values at DIA are teamwork, and excellence, right, and initiative. And I, for one, want to share that I think you exemplify all of these. And I would just like to have you comment on how those values and our motto tie into what you're doing. Those tie into everything that we have learned from our veterans, the things that they have taught us and we carry on and hopefully we can pass on to our teammates, to our employees, the various backgrounds that our veterans had that they have shared with me that I've been able to share with other people. It's a continuation of this is the standard and the standard is excellence. I'm just a connector. I'm connecting Honor Flight with Bob Hope. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> April, your teammates at DIA are proud of you, and so is your country. We hope you enjoyed listening and learning about these three special people who have given so much of themselves for the benefit of others. 
If you want to get to know the Defense Intelligence Agency better, check us out at DIA.mil and follow us on our social media. Thanks for listening to DIA Connections. Thank you.